We are in week 15 um, of our uh, series in the book of Mark. We're calling it Dirt Roads, Traveling with Jesus through the book of Mark. 15th week. Uh, you say, how many weeks are we going to be in Mark? I have no idea. Just stick around and you'll find out, all right? I'm not in a hurry. I'm enjoying myself. I told you my sweet spot is 13 weeks. I'm in 15 and I hadn't thought twice about it, so we're just going to keep on uh, trudging along. I think the most we've ever done in a book is 26 weeks. That was in Ephesians, my favorite book. I might preach Ephesians again, just because I want to, um, but uh, my favorite book to preach. But Mark will probably scoot on past that. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but I'm looking forward to today's sermon. We're going to be in Mark chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, great. If not, uh, feel free to pull out your phone. I'll pull it up on a Bible app there, or we'll have it on the screen for you. But today we're going to be in Mark chapter 5, and today's sermon is simply... Excuse me, well, titled, Maniac No More. Maniac No More. In C.S. Lewis's famous book, Screwtape Letters, this is a book that, where he provides kind of a glimpse into the demonic world. He prefaces the book like this. Pay attention to this, this statement. There are two equal and opposite errors. Two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. So basically there are two errors that we can believe about the demonic world. One is to disbelieve in their existence. That is an error to say that they don't exist. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. C.S. Lewis says that we can error or err in disbelieving that demons exist and we can also err in believing and feeling an excessive and unhealthy interest in them they themselves are equally pleased by both errors the demonic world would rather you either unbelieve or disbelieve in them or they would rather you obsess over them there's no question this morning that some people can go overboard in their pursuit and their fascination of the spirit world. There's no question. There's also no question that there are other people who just would rather, I don't want to face that, I don't want to talk about that, and I'm going to ignore that. Both would be wrong. I'm not going to try to take the time today to convince you of the validity of spiritual warfare. That will come at some point in time as we preach through the word of God. The word of God is very clear. That there are unseen battles that are being fought on a regular basis. I will today, however, talk you through and walk you through a story of a real man who was really possessed by a real spirit. That's what I can do. We believe that the Bible in its entirety is truthful. We don't believe there's any errors in this book. We believe that God put in this book what he wanted for us. and We believe that when we speak of our spiritual warfare, we believe it's real. To set the stage for what's about to take place here in Mark chapter 5, Jesus has just calmed the storm. He cried out, peace be still. You remember his disciples were on the way with him and he was asleep. He's having a Sunday afternoon nap in the middle of a boat, in the middle of a storm. Anybody ever got seasick before? Raise your hand if you've ever been seasick. Raise your hand. Where the bands now, they help you and other things. I was a teenager and I'm like, I'd never really been out on a smaller boat 
way out and we were down in Florida and they're like, hey, we're going to go deep sea fishing. And I'm like, yeah, let's go. Cool. I'm like 14. Of course. And we hadn't been gone, I don't know how long, but I started feeling it. I'm like, Lord, have mercy. This is going to get bad. And as a 14-year-old kid, you know, when you're 14, like you, you know, you have this persona you have to keep up. I'm around other, other teenagers and other kids. And I'm trying my best. And I finally gave up. Uh, literally gave up. I gave out. I gave up. And then I tried to go to sleep. I tried to do what Jesus did. I tried to go to sleep down in the boat. Didn't work. I'm not Jesus. But they call for Jesus and he simply with three words, peace be still. That wind and those waves, they ceased. And he lands on the shore from performing one of the most popular miracles that have ever taken place. He lands on the shore and immediately encounters this. Mark chapter 5, verse 1. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs. Uh, No one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, what is your name? And he, the spirit, answered, saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Also, he begged him earnestly that he would not send him out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountain. So all the demons begged him, saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000. It's a lot of bacon. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So those who fed the swine fled. Can you imagine? Those who fed the swine. And they told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see uh, what it was that had happened. Then they came to Jesus. I love that phrase. Then they came to Jesus. And they saw the one who had been demon-possessed, past tense, and had the legion, past tense, sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then Then they began to plead with him to depart their region. And when he got into the boat, that's Jesus, he who had been demon-possessed begged Jesus, begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him. He didn't allow him to. But he said to him, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. Jesus tells this man, go home to your friends 
and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. It'd be a good thing for us to obey. Verse 20, and he departed and, de- and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. Heavenly Father, speak through your word. As you promised, may it not return void this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to walk through this story today very methodically. It's a powerful story. It's a story that no doubt you have heard before if you've been in church much. But I want us to quickly see this morning, number one, the the depraved condition of the maniac. The depraved condition of the maniac. Look at the first verse of, of this chapter. Then there, they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. When he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him a man out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. And the chains had been par- uh, pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. This man was as depraved as depraved could get. When you think of depravity, and that word is just the utter helplessness in our sin. The depravity, when you think about you know, I don't know if you've ever done this, but like you see a kid and like maybe the kid's not the most well-behaved kid in the world. You're like, man, that kid is definitely depraved. We'll say that like a kid. I don't know if you say that, but I've said that before. Um, man, that kid is, de- I've said it about mine. Uh, man, that kid is definitely, definitely depraved. However, this man was depraved in all caps. This man was de- depraved with exclamation points after the D. Th- this man was as depraved, his spirit, his spirit was depraved, his dwelling place was in the tombs, his dwelling place was depraved, he had this, this super human-like strength to break shackles and, and chains and his depravity showing itself and then the emotional frailty and depravity that he shows and the outburst of crying and the outburst of cutting himself, this man was in a bad way. In fact, other gospels would tell us that as he ran around the tombs, he did so without clothes on. So this dude ran around in the tombs, breaking chains and shackles, naked, since we're in the South, N-E-K-K-E-D, that's the way you spell it, cutting himself in tears, I'm trying to paint the picture this morning. And while each of these on their own are difficult to manage and difficult to deal with, imagine just struggling with one of these. This man faced them all together. This man was possessed. This man had demon possession that had come into his life and into his heart and into his body. May I say this this morning though? While this maniac's depravity is certainly extreme, while this maniac's depravity is certainly obvious this morning, 
May I say that it is no worse than the depravity that you and I were born into? May I say this morning that depravity is depravity? May I say this morning that Romans 5.12 tells us that therefore just as through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. You might be a prettier version of a depraved human being, but you're a depraved human being in your sin this morning. You may be a better looking version. You may be a easier to handle version. You may not be uh, running around naked in a cemetery. And I hope you're not doing that today. Uh, running around naked in a cemetery, cutting yourself and crying and breaking chains. People are trying to chain you. Break. That may not be you today, but depravity is depravity because, uh, because death spread to all men because all sinned. Unless you think you're a better sinner or a better person than someone else this morning. Listen, we have all sinned. We have all sinned. That same chapter in Romans chapter 5, down to verse 18. Therefore, as through one man's offense, Adam, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's, one man's righteous act, Jesus, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, Adam... Many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, Jesus, many will be made righteous. Mom and dad, teenager, sir, ma'am, this morning, left in our sin, we would be as depraved as this demon-possessed maniac. Left to ourselves, Left in our sin, without Jesus this morning, we would be no better. We are no better than this demon-possessed maniac. And, and may I say, some people have an issue with the church. And honestly, i got to give some credence to sometimes the issues that people have with the church. And by the church, I don't mean a specific church. I mean the church in general. And one of them is... Well, you don't think you're as bad a sinner as I am. You somehow think your sins aren't as bad as other people's sins. Hey, this morning, what we learned from this passage, hey, listen, this man was depraved, and guess what? So were you, and so was I. Listen, this morning in our sin, left to ourselves, by default, we are depraved in our sin. And sometimes I think we forget or we don't understand just where we were or just where we would be had Jesus not come and saved our souls. If not for the mercy and the grace of Jesus this morning, I, I feel like we often forget where we could be. And we need to think about this and we need to consider this. And maybe we need to spend a little bit of time in introspection, uh, praising and thanking God for what he's done in our lives because this man was depraved. And so were we. So were we. But secondly, this morning, I'm glad that that's not the sermon today. I'm glad the sermon isn't, hey, you're a horrible, depraved sinner. I'm glad that's not the sermon. Uh, secondly, this morning, I, I want us to see briefly the transformational conversion of the maniac. The transformational 
conversion of the maniac. Is it okay if we read a little bit more Bible this morning? Is that okay? Let's go back to our text, all right? Uh, Look back in the text, Mark chapter 5, look at verse 6. You say, I've heard this story before. That's fine. It's it's amazing to read it again, though. Read it again with me. Look at verse 6. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshiped him, and he cried out with a loud voice and said, what have I had to do with you, Jesus? Son of the Most High God, by the way, we'll find out this was not the maniac speaking. This was the demon speaking. For he said to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. Then he asked him, verse 9, what is your name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. That was not a proper name of like Josh or Nate or Ashley. No, the Legion was a general term, a broad term for a, an army of angels, I mean, or, or demons for that matter in this, in this case. He said, my name is Legion, for we are many, verse 10. And he also, also he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding. There near the mountains, all the demons begged him, saying, send us to the swine, that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. The unclean spirits went out, entered the swine, about 2,000 of them. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. Verse 14, those fed the swine, they fled. They told it in the city and in the country. They went out to sea. Uh, what it was that it happened. But I love this. The transformational power. They came to Jesus, verse 15. And they saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting, clothed, and in his right mind. Running, naked, out of his mind. The gospel. Seated. Clothed. In his right mind. The transformational power. Of Jesus Christ. The transformational. Power. Of Jesus Christ. I can't explain it this morning. I can't explain to you. How a man who would run naked and cut himself and cried and be out of his mind could in an instant be seated, clothed, and in his right mind. I can't explain that to you today in human form. The only thing I can say is Jesus can do that. Jesus and Jesus alone. I want to point out some truths about this portion of our text This morning, I want us to see this. Even though some of Jesus' closest followers had difficulty believing that Jesus was who he said he was, the demons surely did not. Did you catch it in the text? We've read it twice. Did you catch how the demons addressed Jesus? Remember, Jesus' followers doubting Thomas, denying Peter. Jesus' own followers had their issues. Did you notice how the demons addressed Jesus? Here's what they called him. Jesus, the son of the most high God. Listen, this morning, while his followers had issues believing Jesus was who he said he was, hey, the demons knew. The demons knew. Hey, listen, Satan knows his enemy. Satan knows his foe. And this morning, I find it interesting that Jesus' own followers and those who experienced Jesus in real life had such an issue and such a difficulty accepting him for who he was. Yet this demon, these demons, that's Jesus. 
the Son of the Most High. Secondly, just some truths that we need to point out and understand about this portion of the text. Jesus possessed all power over the demonic spirits, and they knew it. Jesus possessed all power over these spirits, and they knew it. When he was going to cast them out of the maniac, what did they say? Hey, don't, don't send us out of the country. Could you just send us over there to the, the bacon-making farm over there? Could you send us over there to the pigs? 2,000 of them? Hey, listen, the, the, the demons, they understood that Jesus possessed all power. They understood that they needed his permission this morning. So listen, you may be here today and you may be one, or you may be, you may be struggling with the reality uh, today of spiritual warfare. And you may be struggling with the fact that as we stand here today that the forces of evil and the forces of good have a will and they want to impose those will, that will throughout our world and throughout our community and throughout our lives. You may be scared. That may scare you a little bit today. But may I bring you hope this morning that even those demons know that they need the permission of Jesus. Even those demons know they don't have all power. Even those demons know that they flee when Jesus tells them to flee. There is no power on this earth that can stand against the all-powerful, omnipotent Savior, Jesus. Jesus possesses full authority and power over every spirit in this universe. And it's shown here. So this morning, no one likes to think about spiritual warfare. No one likes to think about demonic oppression or demonic possession this morning. No one likes to think about that. So may I just say, if you don't like to think about it, may I leave you with this. Jesus possesses all power over the demonic. And they know it. They know it. You say, spiritual warfare is real in my life, and I understand it, and I feel it, and I know that it's taking place. May I encourage you today that Jesus possesses all power over every spirit, and they know it. Another portion of this text that I want us to, to, to highlight, uh, thirdly, a true encounter with Jesus this morning transforms you from the inside out. From the inside out this morning. You see, it wasn't that the man was just seating, sit, seated and just clothed. It's that he was in his right mind. You see, Jesus wants to transform the inside and the outside the backside. He wants to transform every side. My backside could use some transforming. I'm not going to lie. I need to get it in shape. He wants to transform everything about you. The inside, the outside, every side. Sorry. He wants to transform everything about you this morning. Running no clothes, in the cemetery, crying, cutting. And then he met Jesus. And then he met Jesus. And then he met Jesus this morning. And he changed him. He transformed him. He transformed him this morning. Listen, I, I've had it. I'm done with powerless encounters with Jesus. If you've had a real encounter with Jesus this morning, he is going to transform you. Now, it may not look 
the same as it looks in everyone else's life. It may not be as quick uh, to be visible in your life as it is in other people's lives. I get that. But let me just say this. When Jesus comes into your life, he changes who you are. He transforms you, the inside, the outside, and every side. A powerless Jesus who doesn't make a change or a difference in someone's life is not the Jesus that I read about in the Bible. It's transformational power. The gospel transforms you. The things that you used to do, the Holy Spirit over time, he leads you and guides you. You don't, you don't do those things anymore. The things that you used to think or the, the attitudes that you used to have, the spirit that you used to have, you don't have that spirit anymore because the Holy Spirit is transforming you. And Man, when you encounter Jesus, he transforms your life. Transforms you. He takes what's dead, he makes it alive. He takes what's old and he makes it new. He takes what's useless and he makes it useful. He takes what's unworthy and he makes it worthy. You cannot have an encounter with Jesus this morning and leave the same. You can't do it. You can't pray a prayer. All right, hook it up. See you in heaven. And nothing changed. That, that's not the way it works. That's not the way the gospel works. The gospel is transformational. Church, listen to me. It's transformational. It's not a transaction. It's a transformation. It's a transformation this morning. And I want us to see thirdly, our main point, the boldness that was displayed by the maniac no more. That's the title, maniac no more. You see, we just found out in that previous verse that he was clothed and he was seated and he was in his right mind. He's no longer a maniac. Look at verse 16 in our text, Mark chapter 5, verse 16. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to Jesus to depart from their region. And when Jesus got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged Jesus that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him. And by the way, we have seen already in the book of Mark that sometimes Jesus did say, don't tell people. We've, we've addressed that in our series already. But in this case, he did not allow him to go with Jesus. And he tells him in verse 19, he says to him, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And he, the maniac no more, departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. You see, Jesus didn't heal this man, save this man, transform this man, just so he could sit beside Jesus and soak it all in and learn. Not this man. Now, there were some people Jesus called for different purposes and different reasons. This man spent a short time with Jesus, and honestly, we don't really know how long this time was, but he spent a certain time with Jesus. But as Jesus went to leave, he told this man to go and tell somebody. Go back to your home area. It says he went to Decapolis. Decapolis is actually means 10 cities. It's actually a region. 
And he went back to that region and he told his friends. He proclaimed it. The end of verse 20, and all marveled. Jesus said this to this man, listen, I transformed your life. I've changed you. Now go tell somebody. I've changed you. You know what you were. You know who you were. You know who you are now. Now go tell somebody. Hey, go back to your hometown. Can you imagine? Can you imagine this morning that this this maniac, before he went out into the tombs, that whatever his hometown was, that maybe he worked on a farm and maybe he sold chickens and whatever, whatever farmers do. I just like to eat the result of what they do, so... He sold chickens, let's say, and people would come by and they would buy chickens from this man. And they they knew something was a little off. And over time it got worse and it got worse. And they actually stopped buying chickens from him because he made them so uncomfortable because something was so different about and changed about him. And he began to have outbursts and and, and they would show up to buy chickens and there would be altercations because he had become, uh, he was being possessed by this demon. And so... Can you imagine this? Can you imagine? I, I can't go to, to this grocer or this farmer over here for my chickens. I got to get over, over here to this farmer uh, for my chickens. And, and so, man, there's something off with that guy. I don't know if you've, ever, if you've been over there, but he's going, did you hear what happened to him? Just a couple weeks ago, I stopped going. They said this guy completely lost it. I mean, he took off. He left his clothes. He left everything. He just took off. No one knows where he's at. Can you imagine? And over time, you forget a little bit about that man. You continue to buy from this farmer over here, and you're fine. But can you imagine that man who left running naked, outbursts, possessed by a devil? Can you imagine that man showing up, complete sound mind, and saying, I need to tell you a story. I need to tell you what's happened to me. There was no social media. There was no media. There was no digital. This was all, have you heard? Have you heard? Have you heard? Can you imagine that man showing up and saying, hey, listen, the man who cursed at you, the man who had those outbursts, the man who completely embarrassed himself and and took off, and hey, that man is not, this is a new man. This is a new, let me tell you what happened. Jesus shows up. He had just calmed the storm. I didn't know what was going on, but all these demons were inside of me, and I had no control. And, man, these demons called this man Jesus like they knew who he was. And, man, let me tell you, I'm sitting there like, I don't even know what's going on. I don't even realize that I don't have any clothes on. I'm not really sure what's happening. I'm just crying. And these demons are talking, and and these demons are like, hey, Jesus, if you're going to cast us out, throw us into the swine. And so Jesus, literally all these demons come out of me and they go into these pigs and the pigs go down into the water. They all drown and people are going crazy. They don't know what's happening. And all I know is all of a sudden I, I can breathe again. All I know is all of a sudden I can think again. All I know is all of a sudden things are different again. All I know is that Jesus and one of his disciples maybe, maybe came over and gave me some clothes to put on and I just remember going, man, I don't know what exactly just happened to me, but whoever that man is, I want to stay right here beside that man. And I want he completely changed me. Can you imagine going back to Decapolis and having it told about the transformational power of what Jesus had done in a man's life? Hey, this morning, you know what that sounds a little bit like? 
Sounds a little bit like Jesus changed my life. So I'm going to publicly display it. What Jesus told this maniac to do sounds a little bit like if you shall confess with your mouth publicly the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart privately that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. You shall be saved. It sounds a little bit this morning like Jesus was saying, hey, maniac, go public. This isn't, I didn't save you to keep it to yourself. I saved you to tell people. I saved you to tell people, by the way, believers that have been saved for many, many years, that ought to be a regular rhythm in our lives. That we tell people. That we revisit this. That ought to be a regular rhythm this morning. But if you're here this morning, you're about to witness three people saying, Jesus changed my life. And I'm going to tell somebody. Jesus and the gospel transformed who I was. And I'm going to tell somebody. I'm going to go public with what God has done in my heart and in my life. What an awesome day. What an incredible day as we get to celebrate transformation. Transformation. This transformation comes... From Jesus and Jesus alone, this transformation will not leave you the same. It will change you on the inside and on the outside. Thanks for listening today. If you're listening for the first time, we would love to hear from you. Maybe you have a question about the gospel of Jesus. If so, we'd like you to send us an email at hello at keystonerdu.church. If you're a regular listener to our podcast and you would like to donate to the media and outreach ministries at Keystone, your gift would allow us to do more in an effective way to get the gospel out. Thank you for partnering with us in ministry in Durham and around the world.